Welcome to the Vinny Rock Podcast. Podcast. I took the blows and did it my way. It's time. The Vinny Rock Podcast. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's uh, Vincent Vargas, obviously, with the Vinny Rock Podcast. Uh, we just want to say thank you for everyone who's been supporting us and watching us, who's subscribed to our YouTube channel where you can watch the full length of our podcast. Just want to take this time to talk about several of my sponsors. You guys already know one of my main ones is Core Medical Group. I've been with Core Medical Group for about six years. Uh, they're outstanding. They work with a lot of the military and uh, veterans and special operations communities all around you, the people that you are near and dear to. Core Medical Group services them. Uh, is one of the most important things men can do for their mental health is get their blood work checked yearly. So if you guys have any questions, hit me up about Core Medical Group. But uh, another one of my sponsors is GMR Gold and Bullion Box. GMR Gold is is a company that sells precious metals, gold and silver. Currently right now, you guys already know the trends. There's gold is through the roof right now and what, what, what the value is of it. Uh, I enjoy buying uh, my subscription-based model with the Bullion Box, monthly subscriptions coming to my house so me and the kids can enjoy opening it up and have some good times with it. I've obviously hit some before in the past. I'm gonna hit some more in the future, hide some more in the future so you guys can go enjoy doing a little bit of a treasure hunt because I enjoy doing things like that for y'all. Another one of our sponsors is Modern Gun School. It is an online, uh, from your own home, learn how to be an armor, right? This school has all the certifications you need to be an armor. You can do this at the comfort of your own home. They take the GI Bill. They take the voc vocational rehab uh, um, benefit as well. So you guys have any questions, trust me, this is a really good company. Several of my close friends have used this and have been super proud of it and super excited about it. So if you guys are interested in being armors in the comfort of your own home, please go check them out. As well as Everest.com. Everest.com is a trading post for outdoor goods. If you guys are outdoorsmen, if you guys like to camp, hunt, fish, you can find everything you need at Everest.com. Go check them out. We have several other sponsors coming on board here soon. We're really excited about them. I'll talk to you about those later on, but right now we're just super excited about the growth of the podcast and we wanna to continue to grow this podcast. So please like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go check it out on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for being a guest or for being a fan and supporter of the Vinny Rock Podcast. Take care. Welcome to the Vinny Rock Podcast. This is kind of a special one. I know a lot about you, but there's a lot I don't. We're yeah. Just, we were just checking out our GMR Gold subscription. He had some questions about it. And I'm currently about to drink an energy drink by Ruck Pack. Show it to all the cameras. Not sure which one my editors are going to use. The editors the other day were like, hey, we had trouble um, editing because you had a bunch of lights and stuff in the background. And I'm like... You got fun. cameras all over, yeah. <laughs> That's your job, editor. Yeah. Do it. We'll make it work. <laughs> we'll make it work. Yeah. You gotta have. It's almost like you gotta have a backlight for every angle that's coming in. Yeah. And... So I have your. I have my face lit there. There. Yours. So, got we got. I will Listen, never learn this. And I'm doing it by myself. Bro. I know you are. It's awesome. <sighs> I like that this is also like a nootropic. Yeah. Right. Because I've started learning a lot more about nootropics and get my brain active. Same. Well, we'll, get, we'll get back to this later. Yeah, we will. Go ahead. What were we going to say? 
I was just, that's one of the big things that from the beginning, we, you always have to have that point of differentiation, right? Yeah. So there are thousands of energy drinks out there. Absolutely. And you're never going to throw enough money to compete with Red Bull or something like that. So we were always looking for that one thing that was always going to be different. And we found that I don't want, I can't claim that we were the first, you know what I mean? Yeah. And be able to back that up or anything. But right. I felt like we were the first that actually really gave a shit about putting the nootropics in every product that we have. How, how long have you guys been doing that? Company started in 2008. 2008. Yeah. We've been around for a while before Shark Tank even happened. So you guys are listening currently right now. We have my boy, Rob Dreyer. Dyer. 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 Sorry, everybody gets it wrong. Yeah, do they? Because <laughs> yeah. you know it's funny? You know, My I had, whole life. I had Brady on the podcast, and for some reason, I thought his name was Grady for years. <laughs> and then I'm like, what is your He goes, dude, everyone says that. I'm yeah. like, I don't know how, but it's one of those names. But, um, dude, so we met originally, I don't know if you remember, uh, through Jeff Kirkham. Yep. He connected us, and he told me about the product, Ruck Pack. And yep. I was like, oh, sounds cool. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, man, he's just he's a, he's a good veteran, good friend of mine. We'll love to see if somehow you guys want to work together. Mm -hmm. And we stayed connected, trying to figure it out. My life's busy. Your life is just as busy. Uh, and then we reconnected recently for the kind of the mentorship group thing. Right. And then from there, just kind of grown into just being more connected. We're trying to work with you and help you out with your other business that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but in 2008, you were in the military. So I, I looked over your resume, which is always funny. Um, you know, who said this was, uh, uh, Mark Luttrell. He read my resume. He goes, you know, I've known you for a long fucking time, but now that I read your goddamn resume, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. we don't ever get to read each it's other's weird. resumes. Yeah. We all know we've done something. We yep. all know we've been busy in the space where we're, I know you've been special ops. I know, you know, you've done several things and then reading your resume, I'm like, fuck, I was, I was eating breakfast this morning with my wife and saying like, fuck man, you just never know people sometimes, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's because you don't want to be that guy that like right. judges somebody by a resume or something like that. Right. But at the same time, like I know you're awesome, but then you read a resume, and you're like, holy shit, yeah. man. Like that's yeah. really impressive. Done some shit. Yeah. It's so, cool. I've never yeah. not been impressed reading any of our friends' and, resumes. Yeah, exactly. I know. There's so many you're like, oh, damn, that's a fucking, that's you a lot of shit. You never read one. You're just like, you didn't do shit. You didn't do half the <laughs> no, things you said you did. Yeah, dude. And that's funny. When we get connected, we don't run down our, our list of things. It's just like, hey, he's right. a good dude. Yeah, I'm like, all right, cool. I trust you. Know, he's like, especially in our circles, right? You know it's like I mean? former spec ops dude. All right, yeah. cool. When Jeff Kirkham introduced me to someone, I always like for sure, right? Like if if he vouches, because to me he's, he's kind of one of those voices that I I, yeah. I absolutely trust all the time. Yep. So when he connected with you, I was like, oh, for sure. And then to read your resume this morning, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know your background. I didn't know the, the military background. So, yeah. which is fascinating to me. I didn't know any, I knew you were some kind of special ops, didn't know. Mm -hmm. I assumed more army, right? I assumed because the guy who connected us wasn't, right. you know? Yeah. And then I, I realized you were a Marsoc guy. You're, you're a Marine. Yep. No fucking way, yeah. bro. It's so weird. And actually, um, yeah, that's happened for me a couple times, but it's weird, right? Oh, I was on Jeff's podcast when he was doing his podcast. We started getting into it and he's like, Holy shit, you're an aviator? Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That, that was the other part. I saw your air yeah. medals. I'm like, damn, who the fuck gets that many air medals? Well, when you're in a fucking on flight all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's all you do for eight months straight or whatever is you're flying every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's bananas. So, and that's always a thing because because people say like, well, I met you through this person. So obviously your special operations and stuff like that. It's like, well, that was a JTAC. Yeah. And I feel like 
I feel like we're actually getting past that point where yeah. it's like, well, if you're an enabler, you're not really one of those guys. Right. And we had to, like, I had to live through that where it's just like, I was never the dude. I was a JTAC. I but still think that's the dude. I think that's where we are now. So my world of dudes. Yeah. How many times have we been pulled out of the shit by a JTAC? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were, I was there on target before we got fucking, you know, we went, we were supposed to be the main effort. Uh, the, uh, our breach team went in, boom, we started getting ambushed at the time, shooting from the roof. We kind of, we decided yep. to like pull everyone back. We had took a casualty. So they're working on him. We backed up and our JTAC called it in and it's just like, hide. Yeah. Doop, 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 doop. And yep. you're sitting there Get like, down, here it comes. All right. And so you're sitting like, well, that was pretty dope because the comfort of knowing you have a guy who's that skilled, who can drop right. bombs on a target from that fucking high up and yep. that accurate. Uh, I don't know. You start to really respect that. And I think maybe outside the special operations community might be looked differently because they don't know. I think all of us who do know, I think it's it's just like the respect you have for a medic. It's Right. That's what. Yeah. And I feel like medics, uh, maybe I don't, maybe it was 10 years ago, 30 years ago that medic like now you look at a corpsman, it's you're one of the dudes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe at one point the medics had to earn that same feeling or had that same yeah. kind of almost maybe. An insecurity of like, do I belong or, or, or am I not, I'm not one of the guys, but though they're definitely a guy. And maybe through this where I think that JTACers have earned the respect of like, you're that guy. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because I know a lot of my buddies who, who are JTACers are like, I don't see them any different than like, those are bad motherfuckers. Right. And they kill more motherfuckers than we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a different way. You know, in a different way. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that it, it's funny how people always kind of, I think... Guys in our positions, I think special officers sometimes always kind of back off of saying who, what they've done because uh, out of just like, well, there's no reason to boast. But right. uh, I think there's times when we had to say like, man, much respect for what you, your background and everything. But I had a question. So you joined as an officer? Yep. No way. So yeah. wh what were you going to school for? Honestly, honestly. Yeah. Honest, honest talk. Yeah. I went to school for football. You played football? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I played. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I watched football for a couple of years. <laughs> what was it? You're a big dude, man. I didn't know you were as tall. So you're probably around 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, 6'3". And at my biggest, I was 275. 275. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you have the shoulders to carry weight and looks, you know, you say you're small now, but to me, I think you're still probably 240, 230? 230-ish. 230-ish. Yeah. Stocky, good shape. Like, you're, you're looking shape, Trying. man. Yeah. I'm no. hiding it well. So you played football. What position would that be? Linebacker? Defensive end. Defensive end. There Which is go. literally the only reason I picked Navy. <laughs> like life is just weird, right? Like you get into weird situations for all these different things. So, um, I wasn't a big dude. I wasn't a big, like, I wasn't going to give you like pack, pack, pack 10 back then. Right. right? Uh, I wasn't going to go to UW or anything, but like Montana, Montana state, UNLV, yeah. Hawaii, I was yeah. kind of getting a little bit of smaller looks, but all for offensive line. Cause oh, I was shit. faster on my feet. I was mm. a pulling guard. I guard, was better yeah. at offense, but I didn't want to be a big giant dude. And all yeah. offensive linemen, like it's just. Monsters. You got to hit 300 or yeah, else. You're they're just monsters, not, yeah. dude. So Navy was the only school that would consider me for defense. And, and that was about my decision criteria. No. She, so you said, fuck it, let's go. Yep. So you're in the Naval Academy. Yep. And that is where? Is, that's uh, Annapolis. Annapolis. Yeah. yeah. I, was just, I was just there recently. I was just there in the area of it because uh, I kept seeing the signs of it. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Seen movies. Yeah. I've seen the movies. Right, right. <laughs> so you did four years there. I did, well, they don't have a red shirt program, so I went to the prep school for a year, and then I did four years. Okay. So I played go. football at prep school and my freshman year. And then you stopped? I, I, I stopped, yeah. yeah. So I was, I wouldn't, so my joke is, I have two, like I have one lesson learned and one joke. Yeah. The joke is, I wouldn't say like I was like the center core 
of Naval Academy football. Yeah. But when I was on the eighth string, we went to a bowl game and won. <laughs> they cut me in a freshman year and then they didn't go to another bowl game the rest of the time I was so there. So you got so, to experience the bowl game win. Yeah. That's the lesson. That's a lesson because I grew up my whole life. I was like, oh, you know, I want to go play college football. I want to get a bowl ring. Yeah. No <laughs> you, shit. You need to fucking wish for four bowl rings because I got a bowl ring on the eighth string and then I got cut. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wish for four bowl rings and then you could actually see some time on the field. Well, that's cool though. You got to experience it. That's like a Rudy story. Rudy. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was super cool. Like there's, there's a thousand stories that come off of that. And I think it was... End of spring ball. Uh, I was at 275. And coach pulled me in the office. He said, hey, you know, we want you to gain another 20 pounds and switch over to offense. Fuck. I was like. It's a lot of coach, weight. Yeah. I was like, coach, I, I think I'm good here. He's like, well, I'm the coach and I'm telling you you're not. You know what I mean? Like, like, you're not yeah. good on defense. And I was like, you know, okay, I'll else, think What I was thinking, it. coach, is, uh, oh, okay, fuck yeah. it. I'm a child. You know what I think, coach? You know, like, who gives a fuck? So uh, he said, you know, you put some weight on, take the summer to think about it. And I think like literally just eating normally. Because yeah. I, like, I was at summer school every single summer. I think I had four weeks off total in my four years that I was there. That's because you struggled with the education? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super struggled. So I was in summer school every single summer. And uh, I think just eating normal. I dropped 30 pounds over the summer. I was like, yeah. well, that's that. You know, I mean, that was pretty yeah, If your much body doesn't naturally carry it, if you don't, you know. You have to force it if on. If you don't use some kind of crazy supplements to keep it there. Yep. There's a lot of things, yeah. So I switched over to rugby from there, but oh, that's where, rugby. yeah. But from playing rugby, that's where I met all the dudes that I ended up being friends with for the rest of my life. That's you know, cool. Rugby's a cool sport. I was yeah. in, um, I was in Georgia, Fort Benning doing a, a language course. Uh, this was actually the first time that the battalion decided to do a D-Lab kind of course. Yeah. And so I went to Pashtu. And it was a six month course there uh, on hand, and then eventually <laughs> we did like the the concurrent training after that. So it was That's kind cool. of a total of like nine months of of okay. But those six months, uh, we were kind of bored. It was four of us. And we're like, what the fuck are we gonna do in Georgia? Besides drink, right? That's easy. Right. Like, let's yeah. find something more productive. Obviously. And we found drink. the the uh, bending. They called the Cruzomatics, and so I played for them for a season, had some fun. That's awesome. Learned everything I could about fucking you know rugby and all the like shoot the seconds. boot and everything you can think of, dude. Yeah. So yeah. I got to experience it. It's pretty cool, and it's a cool community of dudes who like to have a good time but also they play hard and it was fun it was a cool great community. community and then yeah. you have these matches where in football you crush somebody you're you have to hate them yeah right every time in rugby after a match you would go and drink with the other yeah, team it was a, it was a culture that was different it was yeah. really a beautiful but i liked it it was lot. dope I, yeah. I, I remember showing up drinking all night and then going to a tournament and everyone's just like hanging out hey, hey, buddy, hey. and then you get on the yeah. ma- you get on the field and you, you fucking play it out and at the end <laughs> right back to the bar drinking and hanging out yeah. again and all the all the songs it was a really cool environment that i, I never expected like it was hilarious when you stepped on my face halfway <laughs> through like Okay, cool. Yeah, I have a cauliflower, I think, from one dude's knee. He got, like, I yeah. did jiu-jitsu for a little bit. No, from a knee and a fucking rugby is how I right. got mine. Yep. Jesus. Did you, uh, do you ever regret uh, walking away from football? No. Really? The way life has turned out? Yeah. I do mean, you- I could have, for, you know, when you're in it, yeah. I regretted not fucking going to University of Hawaii and playing offensive line. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But look at the life that I got afterwards. Oh, for you know sure. I mean? Everything kind of happened for that reason, so... I was a lot because of rugby. And I mean, I don't know if like nobody really ever follows it except for the dudes that are in it. But if you're an offensive lineman at the Naval Academy and you finish your senior year, like after the Army Navy game, you're on this crazy regimen. Really? You'll drop 50 pounds by the time you graduate and you'll be within standards and within physical standards. It's amazing. It's super cool. Oh, yeah, because they have to get into the military, right? Right. They do a contract. 
Yeah, they're not going to let some 300-pound dude, like, they're not going to give you a waiver just because no. you played Navy football. Damn, dude. So, like, because I have my, my son and my daughter, they're playing sports now. My two older kids uh, were high-level wrestlers and decided to walk away when they got to college. And I'm like, dude, you're taking the sport away from yourself. Like, I don't right. know. Like, as an athlete, I the sport was taken from me because I'm an idiot and I didn't do my grades, right? Same, I was I, academically ineligible, yeah. lost a full ride. But I've always regretted that. Like, dude, how far could I have gone? Or at least continue to play as long as I could yep. and stayed that nut world of like just what I loved. And I was mad at myself. And so I guess now I kind of tell my kids, like, like, don't take it from yourself. Let the world take it from you. Like, you're like right. it'll happen, whether it's injury, whether it's just it's it's done, right? No more. Yeah. And so I always think about like other athletes, like, how do you feel about like you you ending it? And then at the same time, like with your kids, like that's a tough one to be like, hey kid, here. What are you going to do? It's a very, very small percentage yeah. that get to be able to play in collegiate yeah. anything. Right. And then Any ever go sport. pro after that. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, enjoy that moment yeah. while you have it. But that's the line, right? Yeah. Like, enjoy it. Don't force it on the kids. Yeah. Because they're gonna, that's what happened to my wife. She, by the, she was an awesome swimmer. But by the time she got to college, she was like over it. She hated it. Yeah. She, so there was 0% chance that she was going to do that in college. It's and funny. so it's like... Wrestling's like that. Open it to him. Yeah. My, oh, God. Yeah, wrestling. I uh, I pushed my daughter for a couple of years more. I said, you got to stop. I said, I, said, she, I said, she's so good, man. But you're so like, good. Yeah. <laughs> How can you walk over this? You're so good. Yeah. And then eventually I stopped. I said, all right, I'm done. I said, look, if you want to wrestle, it's up to you. If you don't, no big deal. And one day, it was the day practice started uh, her 11th grade year. And uh, the next day. I guess she heard people going to practice. She kind of had that FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, Dad, I, I, I think I want to wrestle. I was like, okay. I was like, what do you need? And she goes, I need wrestling shoes. You're like fist pumping in the background. Yeah, I'm like, mm. I'm like okay. Um, I'll pick some up. What color? Right? And she's like, she's very like black. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. So I ordered these black shoes and they're like 140 bucks. I said, look, I just spent 140 bucks and so now you can't walk away. Yeah. You, you got you're it. Fucking yeah, doing it you're now. doing it. <laughs> it was a cute thought before. Yeah. yeah. You're now in. you now yeah. that I spent the money, now you have to. Right. There's the pressure. And she goes, went state title, and then next year she does it again. But the next year, that last year, her senior, no one pushed her. She was going to all the pre previous practices. She just was on it and she knew she wanted to win her third state title. Like she's a right. three-time state champ, right? And that was cool to watch that I had to back off for her to realize how much she loved it. Mm-hmm. And she got her third state title and then she goes, I'm done. I was like, okay. But now she's coming to visit a college on the 21st and she, that has wrestling. And she's like, I think she got out of her system and then sits back and goes, I still have it in me. So she yeah. might pursue wrestling again. And without us pushing it, we're like, oh, that's cool. It'd be exciting. Which by the way, to me, that's the whole thing. Yeah. You could be off for a bit and if you have it and you can come back and you have the chance to try it, like you said, life will take it away from you. Yeah. Life Just show it. up. And that was, I feel like that's how we got half of our jobs in the military too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just keep yeah. showing up. At some point you'll, you'll shit can me if it, you don't like me yeah, or, it'll figure or you'll stop out. doing the interviews or something, but I'm going to keep showing up if you're dumb enough to have me. Yeah, exactly. So, so then when you get out, where do you go? You get your contract with the Marines directly? Yeah. So I think it's uh, it varies, but it's somewhere yeah. around 16% of every graduating class select Marine Corps. So when you graduate from Annapolis, you can choose anyone you want, right? You just have to do your service to the military. Is that struggles or you can go only Marine uh, or Navy only Marine Navy. Corps? That's the only two you can I go. I think there's like one dude that goes Air Force, one dude really? that transfers to the Army. But yeah, generally out of the graduating class, you're well, going you're, Navy, Marine Corps. You're in the culture of it, right? Already, right. The culture of the Navy already. And yeah. so- so you went to Marine Corps. Um, from the Marine Corps, initially, you already went into aviation right off the bat. So I knew that 
um, you have selection night or whatever your senior year. So I think I knew in January, February, whenever that time frame is, yeah, uh, that I was going to be, and I had bad eyesight. They weren't doing the PRK yet. <clears throat> oh, okay. So I was going to be a backseater. Yeah. And so Marine backseaters, you're going to do F-18s or the Prowlers, the EA-6B. That's cool. Yeah. Would you? Old end, jets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what'd you end up getting into? 18s. 18s. Yep. So, How was that? Oh man. It, everything you think it will be. It was Dude. so dope. It's it's a, such a baller ride. So, and I and you'll know people like this your whole life, and maybe you were like this too. But summer school every single summer at the Naval Academy. But also, I did fuck around a lot. Right. Like I broke a lot of rules. Yeah. I got away with a lot. After graduation, I was kind of done playing. Yeah. Like I like I'm done with the books. Yeah. I go down to flight school and like at well at the basic school. So your basic officer training. And then starting down in flight school after that life was just kind of switched on. Yeah. Cause I was done. Like I had my yeah, college well, time, you yeah, know, it's, it's time, time to, to fucking, in, yeah. Time to sack up and get your shit done. Yep. And it was like halfway or quarter way through flight school that nine 11 happened. So then it was like, now it's really on. <laughs> Bro. Cause before that, like we, what now were we feel doing? like top gun, right now I feel right. like top gun. Yep. Like, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so like, and, and I feel like the instructors, I, I feel like they said this if I remember correctly, but it was basically like, all right, the fire hose is going to come on. If you need to tap out, you're going to tap out. We're not, you know, we'll just slow you down. Yeah. But if you can hang on, it's about to be quick. Yeah. And man, I think, I think my flight school is like 13, 14 months. Oh, I think I got there in May of 01 and I graduated in June of 02. Yeah. That's so 13 long. months. Well, I mean, I imagine it's flight longer. School normally, I mean, if you're a pilot, it's longer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Flight school is like three years if you're a pilot. And it's usually, I think, two years. And so they, kind of, they rushed the pipeline because of the war? Yeah. Dope. Yeah, they knew something was going on, so they just started <laughs> scheduling flights. We flew on the weekends. We flew, you know, you could do multiple flights in a day. Explain that F-18. Explain the 18. So this is the one that they use for the Blue Angels. Yeah. But the Marine Corps, well, the Marine Corps has good F-18s, but the two-seater F-18s were, they used to be the pilot instructor ones. Okay. So we had the F-18D, the the D model where they basically just chop the stick off of the back seat. Yeah. So there's like a little nub and then they put, you know, whistle controllers in there so you can actually like do the laser guidance and fly bombs and then do the communication and stuff like that. So that was your position, mm -hmm. the back seat because of the, yep. the visual. Yeah. So you're like goose, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, yeah. Everyone references that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> that was goose. Funny thing is, who I went from fucking being goose to being rooster this last Halloween because now my kid has seen Top Gun oh, 2. Yes, dude. And of course, he's going to be Maverick. So he's like, it's So you're rooster. And I'm so like, dope. Son of a bitch. Dude, I fucking <laughs> I had to love be goose. Now I got to be goose's kid. I love both those movies, though, bro. Oh, yeah. Both of those. Yep. They're so fucking good. Damn, that's so dope, man. I made life decisions based off those movies. You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, yeah. why I wanted to fly. No, absolutely. So. And But those movies are so cool, man. Like, like, Tom Cruise at his peak was like, that was one of the best movies ever yeah. as a kid. And I didn't give a fuck about flying. But when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> this is rad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What a fucking... And, and never imagined that would be impossible for me. But I thought it was dope. When I saw the most recent one, I was like, way to tie in all my emotions to it too, dude. Right. Just sucked me yep. right in. And I'm like, yes, you're like, I'm going to take a little extra five, 10 minutes in a movie theater. <laughs> Get my shit together and then I'll, then I'm yeah, good. I'm like, then I'll, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did a good job. And I think, so I, I had, of course, every line of that movie, the first one memorized yeah. and I still hadn't pieced together because he even says like, I know you couldn't get in the Academy because you're Duke Mitchell's kid and all this other stuff. Yeah. I, of course, know that line, but I didn't know what the Naval Academy was. Yes. So my senior year of high school, 
when the football coach comes for a recruiting call, my coach tells me, he's like, hey, new door open for you today. There's a coach from Navy here. And I was like, no fucking way. There's 0% chance I'm enlisting in the Navy. I thought Army Navy game was just a bunch of enlisted people playing against each other. I know fucking, I didn't know yeah, any of this. No, dude, my I parents didn't. are hippies up in Seattle, Washington. So yeah. I had no idea the background and everything. So um, yeah, just started learning from there. Super dope, man. So did you get deployed as a, as a backseater? Did you get deployed to fly? Yep. Yeah. I did too. So... So let, let me caveat this. Yeah. I'm asking questions. If there's anything you can't answer, please just pass and we'll go to the next question. I'm just we are, very... We are a good 15 years before that point. Okay. No, I know. I'm just saying like, I don't know if there's obstacle of this. So just bear with me. I'm just very yeah, curious. No and I think it's fascinating as yeah. fuck. And I've never talked to anyone who's, who's actually flown a mission at all. So this is kind of cool for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we did flight school. Uh, we the the group of dudes that were around my same time frame, and then we raced across to learn the F eighteen after flight school because you have to do like this readiness group, right? The, yeah, it's you know one one. Yeah. So we race across the country to get there as fast as we can because one of these one of these squadrons is going to be selected to be the one that deploys first to Iraq because oh, this is like two thousand two. Like so we're getting up to two thousand three time frame because I read. A bunch of shit. This reminds me of the the special forces team of the horse soldiers. They call them, right? Yep. How they're trying to who the fucks can get there right. first? Yep. So everybody's jockeying. Everybody like we're racing each other, driving from you know South Carolina or from Florida out to California for the rag, and then from California up to our squadron back in South Carolina. Yeah. Racing the whole time, and then we didn't get picked. So my very first deployment was a Westpac. What's that? Uh, Western Pacific. So we went yeah. around, did like Japan and down to Australia and, you know, most of the time. Well, people in already deployed overseas? Yeah. Because I think it was the batch from 242, a San Diego squadron. Yeah. That were like one of the first first groups Fuckers. out there. So came back, then did a little bit of training, then uh, got my wartime deployment in, I think, 05. Really? Was, was that Iraq or Mosul? Iraq. Oh, excuse me, Iraq or Afghanistan? I was on uh, Al-Assad. Really? Yep. Oh, so in 2005, I was in Mosul. Oh, really? Yeah, we ran that whole, pretty much that, our whole op the whole time was us in, in CAG, and we were working the whole time. So That's awesome. It's good time. Yeah, probably in countries so, the same exact time. Uh, yeah, I almost guarantee we were. There was a there was a circle. There was a big-ass circle. Like, people would, um, I think it was on the southwestern side, and we're looking at the GRG, and everything, like, and I had Mosul for, like, two, three weeks straight. Really? Every night I would go check in on Mosul and we'd fly cap for that. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you get some work, sometimes not. Yeah. And there was out of the whole GRG, this big fat ass circle, what didn't have a name. And my call sign was Munchbox. And so we're going through and we're checking everything. And they're like, <laughs> they yeah, let you, you, they let you have that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Earn never given. So we, uh, so we go and we check out that circle and I said, Hey, what's the name of that? And they said, it's not named. I was like, you know, guys go ahead and feel free to call it Munchbox circle from now on. Like, okay, cool. And they're like, we just kind of go and everybody else on my flight, they're like, you fucking idiot. But that's the type of stuff I do. Like, in yeah. My, that's yeah standard for me, right? right? So my CEO goes up and flies like a couple days later. <laughs> He's checking shit out and they're like, yeah, if you could just swing by Munchbox Circle and check that. He's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, it's Munchbox Circle. It's like, your who, squadron. You didn't yeah, know that. Who named that? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we had no exactly he lands. He's it. like, you dumb son of a bitch. I was like, it was a name, sir. Yeah, you know, just, so gave it a just, name. You put my flag in there, bro. Yeah. We're good. So yeah, um, that was our first, that was my first combat deployment uh, was in the air school, like flying for. So for those who probably don't know, and I don't know very much as well, I know that we've called, you know, for, for QRF and we also had air support. And so you were providing air support for certain units. 
Is that is that correct? To say? Certain areas for us. Yeah. Like you would get oh, just Ramadia or you'd get Mosul or you'd get it to um the air base that's out that was out east. So any unit that was out there probably doing some kind of op if they had a tick, a, right. a troop in contact, and you guys got spun up. Yep. Was it kind of like that? Was like kind of like a quick reaction force kind of thing? Like, hey, we'll get spun well, up. We had our caps that we'd fly like the regular schedule. Gotcha. And then I've had them before where we were on the hold short, like ready to take off and uh, that big sandstorm would be flying in. Yeah. I actually remember this. Uh, we had a C-130 that was also on Al-Assad and he was, you know, the next line up. And we were sitting there, we had four jets at the end of the runway and I think it was four, two or four. And, uh, the sandstorm was blowing in and we weren't sure if it blew in over Al-Assad, you weren't going to land there that night. Yeah. Right. So we got to figure out a plan B. So <clears throat> we're sitting there and they say it's rolling in and then bait and then tower says, Hey, it's up to you. And we're kind of talking about it. Say, well, what do you want to do, man? It's like not really anything going on. And then base radio calls us on the back radio and says, Hey, uh, Ramadi just gotten a tick. And it was, it was one of the dopest things I ever felt in terms of comms yeah. where nobody said shit after that. Yeah. It was just Hellcat three, four requesting takeoff. And then to see it like three, you know, three, five, three, six, three, seven requesting takeoff. And then the C-130 right after that requesting takeoff. And the, like nobody th said there was no other extra comms or anything. Yeah. It's just like they're in a tick. Let's go. Let's go. We'll figure it out. And then, uh, Dude, can you turn it down like 30 more degrees in this room? Is it cold? Oh my God, it's freezing. I'm not scared. I'm fucking freezing. Um, so yeah, so then we took off and then it turned out that that sandstorm blew in, but there were tankers from everywhere that were up there. So that flight ended up being like nine hours of just yeah. flying cap. And, you know, we'd support this, do a shore force over here, head over here. What was the name of that? I can't remember the, the name. It was like in Tikrit, I think, but I can't remember the name of the base over yeah, there. I don't know. Um, I think we even did some time over Mosul. And there was a Chapman one out there somewhere, I think. But yeah. So we did that. And then. Uh, so when you know, you're running we, a mission, what is like the, the average mission out there when, when troops get in contact? So. Are you really that cold? It'll be all right. Okay. I'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> good is, for me. So when you come here for my podcast, it's also a winter survival course. Yeah. yeah solid. It's a good intro. <laughs> Talk while freezing. It's not so, the hot seat. It's the cold seat. Uh, it It's different every time. But. Do you ever see a movie Rounders? No. Wait. So it's like a Matt Damon movie. It's like way Ed Norton and Matt Damon, like years and years and years ago. And it's a gambling movie. Yes. I do. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Yes. So there's one point where Matt Damon's like super smoked and he's just like, he's like, uh, Ed Norton says, I've got another match somewhere else. And yeah. he just says, take me to it. That's how we felt in the backseat. Yeah. There's this thing, they call it Wizzo Mafia. And actually the Wizzos, we would fight as Wizzos. We'd beat the shit out of each other on <laughs> Westpac. We had, there was like a Wizzo fight club. Oh shit. And you would just walk into the ready room the next day and you'd be like uh, your win loss column. And sometimes like I took a loss from a dude half my size. Yeah. Yeah. And so that the way is, it goes. but yeah, so we had like this Wizzo Mafia, but the pilots would take us to the work and every single pilot will fight me on this. Yeah. And I'll fight them on this with the Wizzo Mafia, but they'd take us to the work. We'd do the work and then we'd say, okay, take me home. <laughs> you know, and you get to enjoy the ride you're just gonna sit back and do your thing right while, so you know. so the, pretty much for the back seat you guys are the ones who who lays the target and drop bombs if need be yep lays the target refine coordinates do a lot of the comms so um they have fac a in the f-18 which i think now single seats have it too what I'm, is that i'm so old it's forward air controller so that's what right. the marine corps did before jtac was a term yeah the marine corps figured out Best people to figure out how to drop bombs are people that actually fly and drop bombs. Yeah. So take a dude out of the cockpit, put him on the ground for a year. That's your ground tour, your Ford Air Controller. And then Ford Air Controllers also became JTACs. Yep. But 
they're just, I was an aviator. So, yeah, so you were a little the, bit you were the bird doing you're, the whole thing. Thinking, yeah, you're thinking at airspeed when you're on the ground. Yeah. So airspeed, holy fuck. So I would talk to the JTACs a lot. Yeah. And it was during that Iraq deployment that I really decided that that's something that I wanted to do. So that's what transitioned you to, to put in for MARSOC? 100%. Uh, for Force Recon. Force Recon, excuse yep. me. So and, we had we had two missions. I know there was a transition of Force Recon to MARSOC. I don't even know any of it really that's, how it goes. Yeah, that's when I was there. So right. that uh, so we had, there were two missions in, in particular. One, we did one for SEALs. Mm-hmm. And we were flying those, uh, over the river. I think it was Tigris. Yep. And so the SEALs were actually in the water. And they were <laughs> getting what ready they do. to do it. Yeah. That's what they I don't do. know if you know that. <laughs> so they're, they're getting ready to do this hit on a house. <laughs> and this, they had comms on and they're whispering as they're talking to us. They're like, hey, uh, this guy's getting pretty close. Can you tell us? You know, they're doing yeah. the whispering thing. <laughs> I fucking whispered back. Cause I don't know what they're, I don't know that they have headphones on. And my pilot's like, you fucking idiot. Like you don't need to whisper back to him. I was like, yeah, he's real close. I'm like such an asshole. You got they got it's headphones like, on, obviously. And like, yeah, you don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was like my intro to doing high speed shit was screwing it up entirely. Yeah. Uh, but then we did one for, we did a mission for force recon. And it was dope. And yeah. they were on Al-Assad as well. So we got to go debrief with them afterward. Oh, that's dope. So you got to meet yeah. the dudes and talk to them. Yep. So I met the the Ford Air Controller. That was kind of like my daddy Ford Air Controller. Yeah. Uh, was a Cobra pilot. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, there, I know that there's a line for this job. Yeah. Just tell me where to stand in line. Yeah. And uh, I think I wasn't even... Actually, I know for a fact I wasn't even the first choice. Yeah. But... Uh, and I, I was early to leave the squadron. They want you there for like two, three, four years or something like yeah. that. Uh, I just have had over two years in the squadron at that point. I was the third dude they called. The first dude, it was like, hey, for my career path, I really should stay in the squadron another six months. They're like, all right, fuck you, you're out. Yeah. Second dude, he's like, hey, I absolutely want it. My wife's about to have a baby and then I'm coming right there like, no, dude, just stay with your family. And yep. I was the third dude. I said, I will start driving right now. Do not fucking get that job to anyone else. It's yeah. like a Thursday. I said I could be there on a Monday because it yeah. was in, from South Carolina to Pendleton. Yeah. Like, don't be a dumbass. You need orders. I said, I want that job. Do yeah. not give it to anyone else. They said, okay, we'll call the, mon- the the person that does a job placement. Yeah. And and I got orders. Dope. And but, I never went back to the cockpit. But that also means that you had to pass their selection. Do they have a selection? How does that work? Not really. No. Uh, depends. Because um, you're the JTACer of that, right? Correct. So, so you already I, had the skill set they were looking for. Right. Yeah. So now you just had to run off. I didn't have to go to BRC and all that yeah. stuff, which that goes into the whole like psyche of me later on in life. But right. Uh, so I showed up and really to be a good fact, like to get the job as being a fact, you just had to be an awesome fact. Yeah, you know your fucking job. Right. Right. So I showed up and I think I had a training exercise on the ground, like within a month or two of me being there, a couple Bro, weeks of me being there. Right. Really. When I got attached to Bortac, like I was really working with Bortac in Del Rio. Then when I went to SOG, which is like the special operations group. Yeah. Uh, I'm just the medic, but obviously my only other experience outside is Rangers. Right. And so the team leader's Ranger. He goes, Hey man, we're going to, we're going to put you in the stack. And I'm like, okay, cool. And it's like, okay. we're doing live fire. Dope. I'm like, cool. Yep. And I'm sitting there like, Oh fuck. <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm like, don't yeah. fuck this up dog. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I'm, this is what I want, but like, don't fuck you this up. Yep, cool. right? And then the first one we enter, they fire two rounds and I, I didn't fire because I was like, ah, and then I, I felt the overpressure and I smelled the fucking gunpowder and I was like, 
oh yeah, I remember this shit. And then right. it was on from there. But it yep. was just also like that moment of like, man, I haven't done this in a bit. Should I, you know, hopefully I fucking can keep up. But right. I mean, you're being an athlete already. You understanding your job. It's pretty much like, where the fuck do you want me to stand? Cool. Let's go. Yeah. Super badass. And how many years did you do that? So I did Force Recon for, I think it was only a year and change before it changed the sign on the front door to Marsoc. Cool. Yeah. So it was actually, we were on our deployment. So I, I joined Force Recon and two or three months later, I'm right back on Al-Assad again. Oh, shit. So I, was, I think I was only home for three or four months before were I was right back Were you married at the time? Uh, no. I think I was separated from my practice wife at that point already. Yeah. And yeah. so go out to Force Recon. Actually, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know for a fact I was, yes. So go out on the deployment with Force Recon and then... During that deployment, uh, at some point they said we're gonna you you've become Marsoc and you're gonna be Bravo Company by the time y'all get back. That's so cool. yeah, short version is that go back and they said hey you you want to stick around do you want to you just finished a fact tour you could go back to the cockpit do you want to stay and I said yeah absolutely yeah and uh, I just never went back to the cockpit yeah you're like that's, that's cool though right? I did a fact tour then did another fact tour with Marsoc and then stayed and did a third fact tour I was actually getting out. At like nine years and change. My wife and I lived in Sacramento. Yeah. I had a job job for Homeland Security. Yeah. For about three weeks. Really? Yeah. And then got a call on the phone. They said, hey, you put in an application. I put in the application in Virginia Beach and down to Bragg. And those are for two different, a, two different three letter agencies? Yep. No, no, no. Yeah. There's just three they're special agencies. Agent, right. Special, the, special yeah. units. Yeah. So uh, one of them called me and said, hey, do you want to, do you want to, you put in a package. Do you want to? Come and try out. I look around my office. Yep. <laughs> Didn't even think about it. Didn't go home and talk about it. I already knew that. I was like, like, if hey, this comes up. Listen, yeah. I gotta, I'm going to be taking off for a few weeks. Yeah. And so I went home and I said, hey, uh, got a call today. And my wife just goes, fuck. Because I had like 10 days left at Terminal. Yeah. And it's also when, when you're married during wartime, special operations kind of, it, dude, it's fucking hectic. In four yep. years, I was home. 11 months in range of town that you know what I mean? And it's that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, like it's just, if you're you not training, go. right. Then, you know, deployed training another, you know, I'm taking off to like language school, ranger school, everything you right. can think of. Yep. And you do it because you want to be good at your job and you want to promote fast. Right. And you want, <laughs> man. So, so then you don't, and you don't want to miss it. Fuck right? no, man. You don't want to your life that you don't want to miss anything that is going to happen. For years, I think that was my problem. When I got out, I was just really having problems hearing about missing it and hearing about yep. missions that I missed. Um, you know, Leroy Petrie was was on the deployment. I, I left right before. And I was like, bitch. Yeah. I fucking feel like a dick. And it's not yeah. like, I don't know if I would have been in that same area. I don't know if I would have been on his team. I don't know anything. Right. But I know my unit went through that. Right. Right. And uh, that shit bummed me out. That exact thing happened uh with the extortion flight that went down oh, fuck. there's a zero percent chance that as a jtac i would have done anything at all to help mm -hmm. i have no idea if i would have even been there i have no idea if i would have been on that trip yeah you still feel like shit yeah because you weren't there yeah yeah it's so, weird how it's connected loosely but it still fucks you like it's yeah so, but that so. was like so the like my sh military career in short was i flew but i wasn't a pilot is that force recon <laughs> but i never went to brc I was at Marsoc and never did OTC or the qual, you know, the training course. Yeah. And then I spent some time at DevGrew and I wasn't a SEAL. Like I <clears> hung out Grew, with dudes. You, I never did anything, but I was. You were there J Tech for DevGrew as well. Yep. Bro, it's still pretty dope. Yeah. So I, I loved it. It was fun. But I get the the feeling of like the identity crisis. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get no, that. I'm not a grunt. Dude, oh, because you're a pilot. There's guys no, who I'm have that. There's guys who have that who serve the military but never even went to combat. So those guys have that same feeling. Yeah. There's guys who served the military and then they were like, well, I was just a cook. Right? That's right. It's that weird. And it's like, dude, but did you serve? Yes. And did you yeah. do? Fuck, dude. And you don't get a pick when you deploy. Right, right. right? Exactly. So it's just really. It's so easy for me to look at those guys and be like, what are you talking about, man? You don't get a pick when you're deploying. You yeah. don't get a pick what you're, you're with and stuff like that. No, by the way, you still served. So anybody that's judging you, shut the fuck up. It's this real weird thing, man. But, but we judge ourselves. Yeah, we we, we, we punish ourselves. Yeah. So then you get the call from from another agency. So now what? Yeah. So I did my time with Dev Group. Oh, so I was actually attached to him, and then our first kid was born, and he was born with only three chambers in his heart instead of four. No way. And so the it was the best firing I've ever had because pretty much the you know as soon as we got him sorted with his first operation because he had a first open heart surgery at like three weeks. Damn, dude. And, but you can't have a job there and have that life. So yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, love your time with us. You're out. Yeah. Um, so then completely shifted my life and went and got my MBA, became a financial manager in the Marine Corps, and then went and taught at the Naval Academy in the economics department. Completely different life from what Very, I started with. So you're now you're a finance officer in the Marines. Yep. So you're still in the Marine Corps. You just shifted out of like ops and now into like admin. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> So I did that. How'd you and like that's that? That's when, oh, well, I got to retire from the Marine Corps <clears throat> from the Naval Academy, teaching the same courses I got a D in. Oh, that's cool. So that was dope. And the other thing is it was better for your family life. A hundred percent. Yeah. For, I was home. Yeah. You know, I was studying in school, but I was home. And so that was really good. Uh, did that and, you know, loved being able to be home for Hunter while he had to go through some stuff and... <laughs> I have, a son, named, I have a son it, named Hunter, too. Do you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. How old is your son? Uh, he's 14 now. My son's 15. Or yeah. 16. 16. Yeah, is he? Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> and, and Hunter's on the spectrum, which is the best pairing that you can have with a kid that doesn't have a right ventricle. Yeah. Because a lot of times, if you have to get a transplant, then like that sedentary nature is kind of yeah. what gets you. Yeah. He'll never do less than 20,000 steps in a day. Because really? his thing is pacing. Yeah. And he not like his cardio is solid. That's so cool. it's perfect. You know, it's like the perfect pairing. It's like God blesses you in different yeah. weird ways. Yeah. And, wow, that's and incredible. Way. And it was at the time. So he had a heart attack. Like he basically, they put him on bypass Fuck. Um, when he was four months old for a second surgery. And he didn't come off bypass for like eight hours. Yeah. So supposed to be a short surgery. Eight hours in uh, doesn't come. So what was supposed to be a 10 day trip ends up being a four month trip of him on life support at Stanford. But, uh, there were, uh, there was a family that sponsored us while we were staying there. We stayed in their pool house, which is like bigger than my house in Sacramento yeah. at the time. But so we're staying there and he's a guy that knows business because he was the VP of strategic partnerships at eBay way back in the day. And I said, Hey, I, I was kind of thinking about these other businesses. I want to be an entrepreneur someday. What year is this? This is 2010. I said, I had this thing, but it was like, I, but I was thinking about this thing called Ruck Pack. And dead ass straight lines is like, shit can that, shit can that, Ruck Pack is your thing, do that. I was like, so you've always done. had this entrepreneurial mindset of just creating I things. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up with much. Yeah. So I knew I always wanted to do more. Mm. Uh, I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be, that's why I did economics major at the Naval Academy. I just wanted to be smarter with money. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was always going to be a thing. That's cool. And that's really how I started pushing at it. 
So let's stop right here. So you're you're talking to this guy who's kind of a business uh, mentor for you, mm-hmm. becomes a business mentor for you, but you already had the idea of Ruckpack. You already started the process of Ruckpack. I did, and I had it. Yeah, it was. You know, it had been around for about a year and a half at that point, and it started as like a Mega Man vitamin pack thing. That yeah. was our first thing because you got to scrape money together to have your, like, your minimum order quantity and all this. Here. Yeah. Oh, they were awful. They were awful pills, man. So when we're talking Ruck Pack, that's the company you own. That's one of the sponsors of our podcast. Um, but as well as, what was it that drove you to even create something like this? It was on deployment with Bravo Company, with Marsoc. Yeah. I Like every, in the media, I keep saying that, you know, we built our business plan uh, on deployment, but we know shit did. It wasn't like the cute movie scene where we're sitting around a campfire and it's like, what next will we, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. But at the same time, we did build that over this entire deployment. uh, Most people don't probably know like the op tempo that happens overseas, especially in the special operations community. You might not have a lot of time for rest when, when you have active targets that need to be hit. You know, sometimes the operations for us and just, I'll just speak for Ranger Ranger Battalion. Uh, you can do one op that opens up five more and it all happens in yep. one day. And yep. so from one mission, you're like, hey, we're going back to rehash on ammo, rehash on food, and we're getting back on the bird and going to another mission. And then you do that five, six times in one day. And then you turn around, get some sleep and turn around. And all of a sudden you have, oh, troops in contact, we've got a QRF. And so there's times where you can go three, four days of just running amok and, and being smoked. And I saw some Delta operators have Red Bulls in their fucking pack. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's crazy because... My thought was like, I don't want to dehydrate out there. Grenade pouch. Right. Yeah, do the same thing. But but I didn't want to dehydrate while I'm out there because how right. hot was it in Mosul at the time? We had dudes going tits up all the time because it's just so fucking hot. So yep. we're trying to manage our electrolytes. We're trying to manage our, our energy. We're trying to figure out how to get some rest in between all this too. Yeah. And so I imagine your ops were no different than that, just kind of chaotic at times and trying to figure that out. 100%. And, and you're always taking, like you have supplements in your ruck and shit like that that you're hanging on the gun truck that you're going to take out with you. And I, so Bravo Company was weird. We had, I mean, everybody, every unit has a ton of pipe headers. Yeah. But we had a weird group of all-stars. Yeah. Like that's, uh, Cody was on in that unit. Was he? Yeah. So that's the type of groups that were dudes that were there. Yeah. Right. So these aren't dudes that just kind of take whatever you throw at them yeah. and say, sure, life sucks. I'll just deal with it. When he's talking about Cody, he goes, listen, he's talking about Cody Alford, which I'll get on the podcast here soon. I had him, uh digitally before, but he's going to come in, in in house. But, uh, Cody offered, uh, one of the youngest, uh, and fastest promoting Marines in, in the history of the Marine Corps, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and not a guy that like, he thinks through things. He's a smart dude. And that's yeah. the type of dude that you want to have a lot of brains and yeah. we'll look at a problem and how can we make it better and let's try it this way. And if we've got to go this way to get around some things to make it happen, we're going to do that, you yeah. know, all of that stuff. And and th- there were a ton of guys like that in the unit. Yeah. I mean, a, a, at least a solid handful, right? So that's kind of the guidance. That's, that's the people that I'm talking to as we're kind of formulating this thing. And so at the end, I just ended up cashing in all my savings and starting it. How the it. fuck do you go from like, is an idea to creating what you have today? A thousand iterations. We've had so many things that either tasted like shit or just didn't have the right ingredients. And when we went to the manufacturer, that's what we, you know, we knew it all. So I want vitamin C to stay healthy. I want this to stay smart. I want, you know, ginkgo biloba, all these other things. And the manufacturer's like, that's going to taste like shit. And it's going to be like a gallon if you want all these things that you're talking. How about you shut up? You tell us what you want to fix. 
Yeah. And then we'll do that because that is what we wanted. We wanted right. something that fixed a lot of the symptoms that you get when you first deploy. Or, yeah. And we had to have a non-calf. We didn't have caffeine until like four or five years into it. Yeah. Because we wanted a non-calf shot so you don't get the shakes and then yeah. started doing more work on the pairing of nootropics with yeah. caffeine and stuff like that. And so, understanding caffeine a little bit better now. That Yeah. But yeah. if you buy a decaf shot, you know, it's like a half calf, right? That's not completely non-caffeinated. Decaf just means decaffeinated from full strength. So in 2008, this is an idea. Yep. And you're, the guy you met in 2010 is kind of the mentor that helps you. Yeah. Helps you turn this into something bigger. Which is, remember that dude? Because yeah. the other company I started, same dude. Really? No shit. So you're teaching... And then at what point do you decide to get out? Terra, the ter temporary early retirement authority. There was a chance for me to retire at 15 years. And a full retirement. And a full, well, so minus two and a half percent per year. So I got 37 and a half percent. Right. But a full active duty retirement. So TRICARE for the kids and everything else. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and what year was that? 2000, end of 2014. 2014, Ruck, Ruck Pack is still going through its phases of, of transitioning, figuring it out, and kind of turning into this. When, when did it turn into exactly this right here? Well, I did Shark Tank with a trash shot. You know, it wasn't good. A version so, of this. Yeah. I would say, I think uh, the other CEO and another Marine, actually, he really pushed really hard to clean that up. And, and I think he did that in about 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. I like it. Uh, I do like it. I don't usually take Some anything Some people like say this. that that one's still a little sweet. Uh, I like strawberry the best. I like all of them, though. Oh, it doesn't fucking stress me out at all. This is actually really good. Yeah. For something that I like on the go and grab. Right. And someone, I, I can't have a lot of caffeine, or I have to manage my caffeine intake because of AFib. <clears throat> this is dope. I thought, I think it's actually, and I, I can't, it's not like, like, oh, I feel the difference. Right. But I definitely feel more locked on. That's why I started wanting to take these before every podcast. Like I want to yeah, be on point. More locked know? on, and you know, if you need to, if you have that, and you need to sleep. So after after about twelve, I will only do that one. But all that to say, it's smooth. Like yeah. I, I don't really ever get jittery. I get a little bit of the face flush if I do like the high caffeinated ones. Yeah, because uh, it's got B three in that as well. So that's where you get like a little bit of the face flush. But that I'm still old school, so that lets me know it's there. Yeah, you know that no, type for of sure. thing. So, so. When you get out of the military, what, what do you transition into or what do you choose to do? Uh, so then I do another seven years in the DOD as a civilian there because that's, you know, it's a way to put food on the table while I'm still yeah. struggling to do a business stuff like and, that. And it's the intel in, in your resume. Mm -hmm, part of the IC community for seven years. That's cool. Did that. And while I was doing that, still carrying on with Ruck Pack. And so... Still deploying? Forward deploying with that? Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I did that. And then at the end of Afghanistan, um, actually is around 2018 is when I got a job with Magpul. Magpul. I saw that. Yeah. Yep. And what then, were you doing for them? Uh, international sales. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you, was, you just built some relationships overseas or just like, fuck it. I'm, let's just do something start from different. scratch. A lot of it was yeah. start from scratch. They had some previous relationships and I just tried to build on and branch out from there. Why was that? It was just something to do outside of the government. Yeah. And, and it, keep was, the lights uh, on. it was a good group of dudes. I, I love the dudes. They're super Back solid. Great, great company, dude. Yeah. And I mean, they, uh, and the dude that, um, there's a, I don't know if he's CEO. I don't think he's CEO, but Dwayne Liptak, he and I were in the same squadron together. I know the name. And then there's actually three or four guys that were aviators in the same squadron that I was in. 
that are running a gun parts company that's all ground stuff. <laughs> We just kind of weasel our way in there and just got to like start keep pulling each yeah, other like in. Magpulse yeah. is a fucking aviation company or is it gun parts? A little company? bit of nepotism there. Like, yeah, hey, get in just, here. Just a tiny, just a tiny bit, bit of nepotism. Yeah, it's all right. That's fine. So I did that. And then uh, Afghanistan ended. We've got 80,000 Afghans coming over. No mm. money for their SIVs. We smoked that one like day one or something yeah. like that. So you have 80,000 Afghans that we talked about. SIVs, about explain that. Uh, special immigrant visas. So the guys that we brought over that worked with Americans. And yes, it got super sloppy at the end. We're like, uh, you and five others and 10 others. Yeah, sure. Works, right? But the people that worked with us, you, if you worked with Americans, you could put in for a visa and you can move your entire family to the U.S. That had been happening What visa is it again? Special immigrant visa, SIV. Yeah. So we'd been doing that the entire time that we were in Afghanistan. Well, let me ask, let me, let me ask them, what is it about like you served in, in, in America, you serve with American troops. And for me, that subject alone can be like, oh man, it's a little nerve wracking. What is it that built your trust so much as well as your compassion to, to try and help them? Uh, man, there's something about just serving together Yeah, where it's the, all of the stuff. It's not just because you got in a gunfight with an Afghan right next to you and, yeah. and he didn't have to save your life every single time. But just you would do things for your really good friends that you built bonds with over time. It's the joking. It's the bullshit. It's yeah. the, the the mutual suffering, like the shitty things that you had yeah. to go through, the great things, the like gunfights. It happened with Afghans too. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we'd be telling, we'd be sitting there eating. I, I ate more Afghan food than American food when I was with them a lot yeah. of times. And a lot of the stories they tell would still be in posh too, but it's the same stories. Yeah. You know, that dude jerks off too much and yeah. that guy's a pain in the ass and stuff. The same stories we tell, right? Yeah. But you just, and you build these relationships with these guys. So I think there's, there are a lot of things that went into the soup of why I ended up making this decision. Yeah. But one of them for sure is because I loved Afghans. I yeah. loved working with them. They're such hard workers. They could do just about anything. They do anything for you or with you. I find it fascinating that, you know, we we as rangers didn't use uh, too many Terps. We used some, but we didn't mm -hmm. use a lot. And we didn't really get to build too much of this strong relationship with them. So uh, I, th there's a disconnect in that for me a little bit yeah. in the sense of like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. But at the same time, like I've seen a lot of cool units use them, right? I, I, right. I've attached this to a couple of units that, that were using them for missions. And, yeah. and they're so fucking loyal to us. And I just couldn't understand like, man, they're so loyal to us. Like... I don't know why, but I'm I'm grateful for it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so um, when we started talking, you were telling me about, you know, what you do now. It was like, what an interesting concept. Yeah. It's it's deeper than like, I think the average special ops dude who's kind of a dumbass, right? You know those guys. There's a group of us that are just dumbasses, <laughs> right? We know them. Yeah. And they're like, bro, what the fuck, right? And then right. the other side, like, and you start having compassion in your heart again, right? Because yeah. war can actually just, just really harden some dudes up, right? When you see... Like, it just made me numb to seeing a lot of stuff. Right, yeah. right. And, and as well as we can build hatred, you almost build future guys who just want to go bring hurt to that same demographic because yeah. what you've seen, right? But when you're able to, like, separate that from, like, you know, these ideologies, these extremist ideologies to, like, just human nature and, like, human people, mm -hmm. then it really, like, you can have a connection that's different, right? And so what you're doing, I feel like I was very curious to, like, what is it that drove you to do this and, and like, you know what I mean? And, and I know you kind of answered that, but I'm saying like, I was always curious to ask you that. So part of it is just, it's a, it's the right thing to right do. Right thing to do. 
selfishly, I absolutely feel like I'm getting some of my soul back. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I don't know if I'm curing my PTS, but it's definitely helping. Providing service for others? Yeah. Especially, specifically for the Afghans. Because it's, it's a weird, weird thing. But we're, now we're in the U.S. We're down in San Jose. Yeah. And we're still having dinners together like we were in Afghanistan. And we're telling the same jokes. And you go, and you go back there for a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? So all the things that you liked about when you were working in Afghanistan, you know, when you were deploying and stuff, that yeah. type of life, you kind of get that back. It's like when we finally get our group of dudes together. Yeah. Which we hardly ever do. We never do enough. Yeah. Spent, like we've got veterans spread everywhere. We don't spend enough time together. Yeah, it could be like 15 years and all of a sudden it's the same jokes, the same bullshit, right. the same right. banter, right? That's why that, that's why your group is so important. Yeah. And that's why I did. At first it was just to, hey man, I'm going to get on Vince's schedule. Yeah. But that's why I stayed is because like I'm on your schedule now. You know, we're talking yeah. more, but I'm not leaving that fucking group because it's our chance to hang out with other dudes and like yeah. get that touch point again. Yeah. And sometimes we're doing homework. Sometimes we're, you know, breaking things down, but most times we're just hanging out. Yeah. It's just the fact that we spend time together. Yeah. So that with the Afghans is huge. So you touched on it right now. I'm just curious, what is uh, some like the PTSD you struggle with? What are, what are some of the hangups that you've had? So I don't have the disorder, which means yeah. like I don't sit in a restaurant with my back to the wall, making sure I face the door. I'm the dude that has my back to the door because I want it to be over quick. Yeah. That's my best way that I can kind of summarize everything. Um, I've we've got a lot of dudes missing. We got a lot of like my college roommate from the Naval Academy just killed himself over the summer. Mm-hmm. He was a senior level 06 and like should have put on a star. So there, there's some things that we struggle with and, and it's just, uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff like that going on where I don't have, like, I don't wake up with nightmares. I don't have nightmares, but I feel super guilty about a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, and it's tough to care yeah. about things. A lot of times. Yeah. So I'm in that. Co- I'm it's like, kind of a disconnect. Yeah. It was just funny. That was actually, um, it's a completely different story, but you're fine. <clears throat> there was a time that, uh, Cody Alford went through a uh, tough spot. Yeah. And, uh, I think we're better at it now. Hold on one sec. I feel like we as a community are better at it now than we were, but no bullshit. I, I feel like one of the good things I actually did as a friend and I mean, Cody and I aren't super tight. Yeah. I respect him and I love him. Uh, but we don't hang out as much as I wish we did. Right. right. But I actually heard somebody say, Cody got his big break just because he said he wanted to kill himself once. We fucking eat our own sometimes. We eat our own, bro. We and I was like, what own. the fuck are you... Like, I actually... Like, I felt like... Because no, normally I think I suck at responses and stuff like yeah. that. But I was able to stop that conversation full stop. Be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, this is a friend of ours. It's a, it's a weird thing that... Everyone has these opinions. But genuinely, like, like none of the opinions fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter. But for someone to even voice an opinion like that, it's, it's, it's completely out of one jealousy to yeah. insecurities, right? These things. Their but own like, insecurities. Their own insecurities. Like, Absolutely. And you do, I didn't see that at that time, but I yeah. wish I did. Like, hey, man, you need a hug? Right. No, you know, exactly. It's like, like, what's going on with you? Yeah. <clears throat> that you're looking to project that insecurity, that that jealousy right. onto someone else to throw hate that direction. 
because you're super unhappy with you. What is that? Right. And our community does it left and right. I have guys doing it from the border patrol to me. I have guys doing it in the military still. Like guys do this all the time. And it's a very weird thing because I, I don't find, I don't give enough energy to it because fuck them. And <laughs> just like right. fuck the whole thing. Yeah. Because like I'm still, I have to, I have my own mission in my head. You know, my inner circle, my family, I got to focus on me first. But when someone comes out and tries to chirp some weird shit, I'm just like, block, get out of my face. I don't care. Like, it, it, right. no energy. But it's really weird that our, our community does eat its own. You see someone having success and you find a way to fucking talk shit about it. You see someone who, yeah. who you know, it's, still, it's, it's strange. Me and Cody are pretty close. And so uh, I sit back and watch and just see what he's doing. And I, and I love everything he's doing. And it's awesome. His lane's not my lane, right? His right. lane is his. And it yep. should be fucking his. He's going to fucking decipher his path on right. his own. And I'm doing it my way. And everyone's allowed to have a different approach to yep. this because we really don't know what the fucking answer is, right? But as long as we find the path that they're on. Right, exactly. You know? Like, we only know, like, here's what's working for me. And if it's not, I'll know. Yep. <laughs> Life starts to fall apart and you're like, okay, this isn't working. But like, all we can do is allow people to to, to take their own path and see how it goes and, and just kind of cheer them on and hope for the fucking best. Because we all right. just want, I want you to be happy. I want him to be happy. And it's this really weird thing about life is that we all manage our stresses differently. You know what I mean? What you feel guilty for, the guy to the left, you probably doesn't give two fucks about, right? You know what I'm saying? And that's, oh, I know for a fact right. that's true. Because I've said it, and they're like, what the fuck are you worried about? Bro, yes. it's, and it's weird, because I, I, I too, in my own circle of friends, on the same deployments with me, they don't feel the same as I do. Yep. And I'm like, oh, huh. well, that's a me thing then. I, and that's fine. Right. But... I feel like, yeah, but you're, I feel like because you're a student, right? I feel like you're really taking the human performance deep dive and you're grinding into it. And I appreciate that because I benefit from that. Yeah. I feel like you can look at that and you're like, okay, that's not a, that's a me thing. And I can work on that. I haven't figured out how to fix that. I can recognize that it's a me thing. Yeah. Cause sometimes people will say that's a you thing. Yeah. But I hadn't cracked that code yet. Well, you know, we talked about. You say you call it PTS, but what what you missed in our retreat, which I wish you were there, and yeah. I'm going to connect you with Matt Larson directly. Okay, he is a I call him a philosopher. I don't know what he fucking calls himself. But he's a doctor in psychology. He has a doctor in psychology, and he really focuses on the concept of moral injury. And so instead of what you can say, you sometimes can have PTS, and you sometimes can have moral injury, and you sometimes can have a little bit of both. Right. And what the moral injury side of it is is we have to see the world like this. Do do we, everybody and everything in, in our world dies a miserable death is how he puts it. They just mm -hmm. die. And dying sucks for yeah. everyone. So if we can agree that everything dies, well, then we can accept that any death is just part of life. Any death, meaning even the ugly shit you see right now happening in Israel and in Gaza, right. all that, it's still a death, which... It's still part of life. It's still part of life. Yeah. And so if we can agree to that, we can kind of subside the idea of like how people die is more effective and, 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 and sad or what's the reality of life. It all sucks. And so being able to, I guess, debrief that in our own head and saying acceptance of death is part of life. Yeah. And as much as I might've been a part of something that I'm not proud of, all we can do is achieve better do better right. right and that's it it still happened so what now right so right. it's like yeah. this did happen and so it's like now it's time for acceptance in the sense right so if you go to like counselors who like deep diving counselors and people who see traumatic shit like uh rape some of the worst thing ever. right some of the counselors like eventually we want to get into a space of acceptance it happened but we can move past that 
Yeah. Right? Because when you stay in the, the victim mindset, not saying it insensitively, but if you sit there and like really continue, allow it to fester in you and be victim of it, there is no growth. There's no, there's no moving past that. And so if we don't move past that, we can never really live a normal life. Same exact thing as moral injury. Like, you know, there, there's some shit that happens overseas and I'm like, Oh, that sucks. And sometimes if I think too much of it, it really bothers me. And then it's like, okay, but what can I do now? And right. I think it's why I transitioned to becoming a medic. You know what I mean? I told my wife, like, look, I moved into a medical because I felt like I was going to ju be judged by God one day. And I had to be like, well, I saved this many lives. Yeah. <laughs> we balanced? Right. Like, 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 yeah. like, yeah, but your platoon did this. And I was like, eh, yeah, but this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I felt like I started going that path, which as much as it was a healthy transition, it still wasn't mentally healthy because I was still guarding. Because you're still making it a numbers game. Correct. Yeah. Right, exactly. There was an equation I was trying to fulfill. Right. I was like, I'm trying to top the fucking, you know, the, the balance of this yep. to, to hopefully God will see me in a better light. And that's not that's not true either, right? And so in, in the faith sense, that's not true. But also in the reality of like, I want to live a good life to live a good life for myself. You know what I mean? And so to get to that point, fuck, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think it's just... <clears throat> I think for me, I'm at the early stages of it because I just hadn't needed to address it all before. Like over this, I think around the time that I joined the group, yeah. um, in trying to really nail down if I actually had PTS, I'm doing all my neuropsych stuff. Turns out PTS, TBI, and a brain tumor. Yeah. So do you I'm, drink? I put the counter on my phone. But yes, it's less than 24 hours. <laughs> like, so I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm trying to take the steps, but no, um, it's fine. So, so yeah. you still drink. Yeah. And are you planning on trying to get sober? I'm just yes. curious. You are. Okay. So when you have post traumatic stress, I knew we were going to talk about this too. Is that okay? Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So like, because literally as I'm drinking, I was like, I know we're going to fucking talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't like pushing sobriety on anybody. It's not my place. I, I know what I do for I Well, I need to save the brain cells that I have less. Right. But as well as, Having a TBI on top yeah. and having PTS on top, the mixture of alcohol creates suicide ideation. So as much as we all probably think it at times and it's just there festering, mm -hmm. um, you allow it to, to land a little bit more. And so I don't want to get emotional about this because this is something in my, my own world that I've had really good friends who has done very similar to me. And has taken their lives and it bothered me. And as I do a deep dive and I start researching and I start finding all these white paper studies and explain like, why the fuck did anyone tell me this? And so part of my answer to making sure that I don't do that, even though even there's moments I feel um, very depressed and, and, and <laughs> my life is pretty cool, dude. Right. People like, but it right. doesn't matter inside. I'm fucking still trying to fix this. Right. right. Yep. And I know they are and they were too. And so the one thing I can do to, to change that is to remove the possible uh, factor that might make me pull that trigger. And I don't say it lightly. I'm saying I had to remove that because I, I already feel a certain way at times and yeah. I don't want to give it another excuse because that fuck it button, us operator dudes, us dudes who say, fuck, let's go get shot in the face. Do that in that sense too. I feel like that's, I'd never heard it, the fuck it button. I'd never heard that. And I think you just said the thing for me because I'll sit here in front of you and I'll say, there's absolutely no way anybody's ever going to tell my kids that I killed myself. Yeah. You know, you, I know you, we all have the, and also like, I'm not going to have my wife wiping my ass because I'm an invalid 10 years from now. Cause my brain's mush. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the equation doesn't balance out. Yeah. And we are all 
we all have the fuck it button. If you've been willing to risk your life in combat and saying, I'm going to go through this door and I might get shot in the face, that fuck it button, yeah, you've already got the threshold of it. Right. So it's there. It's yeah. like, I don't know how far I can go. Well, you know, you're willing to die for it. Right. Yeah. And so that fuck it button is now there. It doesn't take much for you to want to go I'd there. I'd rather not. Yeah. Right. See what I'm saying? So I don't allow that to even be there. Now, that doesn't mean like, look, I've been sober for almost, it's four, four years, six six months, and I think it's 23 days. Okay, I checked it today for some weird reason, so I don't know. That doesn't mean I'd not still put myself in these positions where I'm like, oh, I feel like right. I'm overwhelmed and I'm not doing enough and this and that, right? So, um, but it's still know that I'm never going to put something in my body that allows me to get to that point too. So yeah. that's why I would say, um, and I'm not saying be, you have to be sober. I'm saying... Uh, very tread lightly with, with alcohol and be smart with it. That's yeah. all. That's what well, I, try, I, I try to tell anyone who's listening. You know, we, we've we touched on this before mm-hmm. in texts and stuff like that, too. Yeah. And I was like, hey, because I, I see shit. They'll say like, hey, that was a suicide was a short-term or long-term answer to a short-term problem. Yeah. And when I hear, when I hear cliche shit like that, you don't fucking know. You, you don't get don't it. Know. You don't know. I get that that's the, what it is for you. Yeah. For the person who's doing it, it's like, right. yeah, but that short-term problem is done. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what the reality for someone right. who who pulls that trigger, unfortunately, they were dealing with so much internally that they wanted it off. Right. And so that comment is so like, okay, you say that. Yeah. But I know what it's like to only see red. You know what I mean? Yep. That. It's the thing that people say. They go like, oh, man, I wish they called me. No one's fucking thinking about calling anyone. They've made a choice already. There's thousand percent. It, it, so that's this whole yep. thing for me is like, no, no, no. Why do I, why do we create this group? Right? Let's mitigate everything in your life that potentially leads to that. That's why that's the, that's the psychology behind what we do. Yeah. It's not about like, well, let's just get to this point and then they can call me. No one fucking calls, dude. hundred percent. And, yeah. and as like literally at the funeral this summer for my college roommate, we we talked. He's a senior 06. He knows all the things that he would tell his troops about suicide. Mm-hmm. He told me he was struggling when mm-hmm. we finally, we hadn't talked in five, 10 years. Yeah. And I just wanted to check in with him. I didn't even know he was struggling. Yeah. But we start talking and we start talking. Oh shit. Now he's on my radar. Yeah. So we'll start talking more and stuff like that. Uh, he's going to come to San Jose. I said, Hey, come check out the shit that I'm doing with the Afghans. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe, maybe you're going to retire soon and we're going to start doing all that stuff. And then, yeah, there's a chance that I don't check in as often as I should. I'm pretty sure at anyone's funeral, uh, suicide funeral, nobody says, "Hey, I fucking tried too hard to help that guy." No, I know, I know. And I, why would you put it on the person to call you? It, it's yeah, it, it's, it's so reversed. It's yeah. so reversed. My yeah. buddy who struggled with uh, addiction, he called me one night, and um, his name's Sergeant Red. Man, he was a really good friend of mine. And when he got, I always knew he was addicted. I just was a lower rank than him, so I didn't know how to say, "Hey, dude, maybe right. you should stop." Yeah. And when we became civilians, I still fell into that mindset of like, oh, "I'm not going to tell him what to do." He's kind of senior to me in my head. Mm-hmm. And he called me, and I knew he was high. Right. And he's just like, "Hey, worry, man, Vargas, all this stuff." I was like, "Hey, Red." He's doing contracting. He's like, hey, I want you to come join contracting with me. And I thought about it, man. I was like, he had a Blackwater contract and I was like kind of miserable in the border patrols going through a divorce. It was like nothing was going. Yep. Like, fuck it. Let's just go fucking, let's, let's get to war, you know? Okay, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I said, well, let's talk next week. That call never came. He ended up the next day. Yeah. OD. And I was like mad at myself, you know, but it's like, I, 
I was like, man, I knew he fucking was struggling. Like, I don't, I didn't know what to do. So th- th- that's just one part of another reason why I'm like, okay, we got to start finding answers, but like not the fucking answers everyone's telling us. We got to really, right. we got to really kind of do some work in this. And so I don't know, it's just a frustrating topic. It's a frustrating fucking scene scenario for us, but <clears throat> we're trying to find answers for this with, with the group that we have. And you guys who are listening probably don't understand the group. We have a group called uh, Light the Fuse, and it's it's a it's a kind of a it's a it's a wellness kind of group as well as a, a an accountability group is what we changed it to because I think it's more feasible to call it accountability, getting people to kind of I think the accountability is the, the right. thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just keeping people accountable for their own actions and, and getting them to to accomplish the goals that they want to. And if you guys have questions about it, you could just DM us later about it. But that's all it is. Um, going back on topic <laughs> with business, well. You got the rock pack and you're doing the Afghani thing we keep mentioning. What exactly is that? It's Are a you secure- cold? Do you want me to go change the air? I can, bro. By the time you change it, it's okay. going to take forever. It's okay, fine. we're good. Get right. it out. All right, good. Uh, so, you're burning calories. That's right. <laughs> so with the Afghans, I uh, created a security company, security guard company. What's it called? Do you mind if we mention that? Eagle Technologies Group. Eagle Technologies Group. Which, it's in their wheelhouse. They've been standing on FOBs for 20 years. Yeah. They know how to hold security. So they know how to do security. And the dude that helped me start Ruck Pack, 10 years later, we always kept in touch. We yeah. became friends from that. And I, then, I before Hunter had his heart attack, I didn't even know him. Yeah. But we started keeping in contact since then. He called me up and he said, hey, he's doing a completely different project in San Jose. Yeah. He's literally trying to rescue San Jose. Yeah. It's a dope endeavor. He's putting his, his soul into this thing, right? That's cool. They're having problems with security. He says, can you just come and take a look? He's like, I know you have with yeah. your background. Can you just come and take a look at basically the downtown core? Yeah. And so I went and took a trip and I said, we could do something here. And I've got some bodies. Yeah. I've got 80,000 of them. And we just started it. We started the company. I, I, one of the very first things before we even started the company, we're walking downtown. We, there's like this uh, park that has a ton of drug addicts in it. And I'm taking the Afghans through there. It's like a group of three or four Afghans. And I said, hey, does anybody feel uncomfortable here? And like, they said, why? <laughs> I was like, we got the group of guys. Yeah. Like, this is going to work just fine. How do you how do you keep, you know, 80,000, uh, you know, Afghans you were able to help, right, with getting their, or just a group, like, it's just, I guess it's part of the context that you've made throughout your life and career. But um, how do you continue to bring on employment trust that they're still loyal to this job and as well as making sure that it works. Like you, do you speak fluent Pasha? No, no. I hear a lot better than I can speak, yeah. which is funny because in interviews they'll be speaking Pasha and I say, yeah, I'll know, but this is what I'm saying. And they'll give me the look like this motherfucker. Know what <laughs> and, uh, my COO is, is an Afghan. Yeah. And so he's usually the one that's conducting all the interviews and having all the posture speak, and then he'll translate. Is he someone too. you've worked with in the past? Yes. So you just trusted him. You knew that he, he's hundred percent. He has more of the company than I do. The daddy. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, you know, we have, I'm saying we have a, there are, there is a pool of 80,000 yes. Afghans. I don't have shit, yeah. but you know, we have 30 to 40 or 50 that we've kind of worked through that, you know, they're employed in some respect or have come through and already cycled out. You're not going to get the perfect ones every single time. Right. That's and, true anywhere. Yeah. It's, it, the employment field is crazy. Right. So when you bring on, you know, you guys vet them in, in a whatever capacity, just like any yep. other job would. Right. You got to bring yep. on good people. Exactly. Uh, and then they just do the security for your or for your company. Yep. And we do. We do everything. There's it's a completely different podcast just because yeah. the concept that we're employing, it's putting 
like a, there's a smart city concept, right? Yeah. Where all the cameras are interlocked and everything. So you got kind of a web of the entire city. That's not a safe city. Yeah. Because people don't give a shit if they see a camera anymore. Right. Look at all the crime that still happens in front of a camera. Absolutely. But if you deploy an incident response team, when something's happening five blocks away and you stop it from getting all the way down to your area, yeah. you're now you've made a smart city a safe city. Yeah. Right? And you guys have been able to... And you're doing it because you're looking at something on the screen. You know where to launch people because you're seeing them on the cameras that are all interlocked together and working together. Now, I mean, so that's a concept that's not employed anywhere. Nobody's using incident response teams to go and respond to things that are happening. Yeah. If that sounds like drone footage to a handoff to a QRF. Yeah. It's in their wheelhouse. Right. They already know how to do this stuff. So I can launch a couple of dudes. They know it. They've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. They already know what they're doing. But it's still a novel concept here in the U.S. And it's been extremely successful for you. It's there. Oh, man. I, I have a before and after picture. Yeah. Just to show you one of the worst places in San Jose. Yeah. Because a tram runs this or a, a trolley car runs this way and then the other one runs this way. So drug dealers get off, do their deal, hop on the other one and head back the other way. Just a really shitty alley. Really, yeah. really bad for drug dealers. Nicest place in San Jose now, downtown. Really? I mean, San Pedro Square is really, really nice because yeah. it's like just, it's always been a nice market, but there's an alley that's beautiful now because our guards are there. Like I'm friends with homeless people in San Jose. <laughs> I'm not even from, I've never even lived in San Jose and I know names and I'm friends with people that are homeless in San Jose. That's pretty cool. And our guards are, and you see their, like, you see the way they treat people because they don't have a huge classification system in Afghan, yeah. in Afghanistan. So they'll treat everybody kind of the same. Right which, you know, like a human, like with dignity and respect right. and that engages. So it's, it's you, working. Are you guys currently spread out across the nation with that? No, we need to be slow and slow. Because that's my concept because what, like selfishly I fix, I'm helping to fix my own PTS. I want that for other vets. Nice. So I want a vet to run a city and you're the city CEO. You take over a city you, we're going to provide the backbone, the logistics. We'll do the scheduling. We'll do the operations. We'll get you the uniforms. We'll do everything. Uh, we'll help you get the contracts, but eventually you're going to pay your managers what you want to pay them. You're going to pay yourself what you want to pay yourself within the guy. Like we still right. have to pay the bills, right? Right. You'll hire Afghans, but you're going to help your own PTS because you're working with Afghans again. You're helping getting these people meaningful jobs. Yeah. I had a guard make over 70K as a refugee his first year in the U.S. It's great. It's incredible. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the U.S. don't make that. Right. <laughs> and it's just, and it's, it's, it works. You how, know, if you're willing to grind it out, it works. How can us who listen to the podcast help you grow that? There's security everywhere. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in this city. Yeah. I don't know what it's like down close to the border. Like we, we've been talking about before. I know there are contracts. I know I could fight for a contract. I know I could just get in front of somebody and tell them about our concept yeah. and win some portion of a security contract. Just get me in the front door. Let me show you what I can do over time. And then I'll win the rest of that contract too, because Beautiful. it's working. Yeah. Right. No, but and I, I don't know, know how to get to all those cities. I've worked in the contracting space for a long time. Guys like the North group, I'm going to get you connected again. We got to, we got to show okay. back on it. It's just been busy. But uh, anyone else who's listening right now, if you guys are part of any kind of security organization, if you guys are some kind of contracting company, I got I got another contact. I'll tell you right after after we, we cut this too yeah. as well. That'll be pretty good. Um, but reach out to me. I'll connect you with Rob and we'll, we'll try and get that happening. We want to get 
more veterans employed. On top of that, with his system, it gives you a really solid job to make good money, but as well as manage a city in security. It's it's a really cool concept. I've been yeah. I've been uh, following on the back door. I still have all the uh, the all the connections, so I'm watching all the all the dialogue and everything goes across. It's pretty cool to see how everything oh, kind of right. yeah yeah. I'm still <laughs> I, I see, see every day. Like I, was, I told you, like you're gonna see a lot of posh too. You're gonna see a lot yeah. of weird shit that happens, but because it's a company and it's just like any other thing, it's just crazy cities. But everywhere. now, now if you want to take a city. You're not starting from zero. Yeah. Even if you're not following it every day, you can get back into the rhythm and see how the flow goes and everything else. Cause I like you being in the background on that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's what it would be like for anyone else. I'm never going to start anyone cold when you're ready. We do. We travel at the speed of right. Yeah. Right. Oh, so good. when you're ready, you're ready, yeah. you that's know, cool. and we'll get you started and we'll have your back and we'll provide it because I understand what it's like to fucking wake up some mornings and you just can't get out of bed. Right. So how can I set you up for success to start fixing that in the way that I know how? Yeah. I can't fix everything cuz I don't I'm not clinical, but I know it's seemingly working for me. Providing service is so valuable that people don't get it. Like, you know, I did that I did that to the group like one word that that you would identify yourself with. It's one of the things we one of the homework assignments, you know, and I said like I'm a I'm a storyteller, but like I provide service probably more than anything to people. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's helped me a lot is trying to help others through giving them service. The one thing is I let that lead for a long time and I didn't help myself. I was kind of avoiding helping me so I can help others. Very common for a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like I, I had to learn to like, you know, love me first. You know, it's kind of like that medical side of self-aid buddy. I had to do self-aid take first. notes? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh. I, hey, I'll walk you through when you're ready, yeah. bro. I have a I have a cool organization that I'm starting to work with as well that that I want to try and send you to. It's like a two week, uh, you know, in in person clinic. Okay, that should be it's massive for for TBI. It's, there's also a TBI clinic here that we can get you into as well. Either way, just like let's do the work, right? Let's, yeah. let's, let's put the work in. But uh, you know, anywhere else I can help? Drug pack, obviously. I want to. Help I mean, you. and now I I I spent years not getting high on my own supply. Yeah, and now I have one every day. This is like great. I, the the nootropics in it, like I forget because my memory is the first thing that's going. Yeah. So I have to do everything I can to maximize my brain, which is the real reason why I started slowing down drinking. Good. It's just because the gaps are getting bigger. Yeah. And here's the thing. There's so many things that we can regenerate like the brain with, you know what I mean? From brain clinics right. to, to just healthy eating and drinking. This is... This is incredible stuff, and I'm excited because because I, I, I want to continue to promote this on the on the podcast, and I hope this actually has a bump in sales and and prove it. I want you guys to try this. I genuinely want you guys to try this because I don't take, do a lot of energy drinks for the for the fact of the AFib. Uh, I don't even do pre workout anymore uh, because like I'm oh, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want to fuck myself up, so I do like a cup of coffee and I go work out kind of thing. But this right here makes me feel really confident. Um, I'm still going to school. I'm finishing up my master's right now in psychology, and then the next I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And so this is something I'm going to keep on my shelf and keep here for people joining the awesome. podcast. The problem that people had. With energy drinks, yeah, over a decade ago, we still have. You what is mean? that? Like the the ingredients that are in there, we yeah. picked them because you're getting sick. We picked them because you're tired. We picked them because even if you drink coffee, your brain's not with you, right? Right. So how are we fixing all of those things? And it still is viable now. And in fact, it's actually becoming more viable because people are starting to read the label more. Yeah. And when you do, you're gonna pick this. Yeah. Because you're not going to take something that's trash caffeine with nothing else, ODs you on B vitamins and nothing else. Yeah. 
it's cool. To something that's the same price that actually helps you. I think it's genius. And I'm always like, I, I should have jumped on a long time ago to help you. And I was just so busy. I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But you know what? Yeah. I was so concerned with my own heart. And we didn't even have a conversation about it. until yep. when we did, I was like, all right, I'll try it. Because I was like, oh, my heart, I'm not going to fuck with energy shit. Well, this is different. This actually, I've had no, so I've taken this three times now. Okay. No, no feel at all when it comes to like change of mood in a sense, or also heart palpations. Normally like right that. away. If I have a tall glass of coffee, like a non, if I get a uh, cold brew at Starbucks, which is a yeah. higher ca- caffeine level, I think it's somewhere yeah. in the 350 milligrams, if not more, that motherfucker makes me feel it. Right. I feel a palpation. I'm like, dude, I got to drink more water today or else I'm going to be fucked. This, I don't feel no difference. So if there's awesome. any heart, any kind of issues, AFib or anything, uh, Ruck Pack, I'm telling you right now, you won't feel it. But what I do feel is seriously more locked on. So yeah. I'm writing another book right now. That's it's a whole different Are task. You? I'm so yeah. proud of you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm a psychopath that just <laughs> like has to throw all vomit this shit on Pedro. It fucks here, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've learned that it helps me. And so I've been writing a lot more, but this has been actually very, very helpful for me. So I'm excited about that, man. Well, uh, and so there's last, I don't want to, I don't know what your timeline looks like, you but we were, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like the OGs, but you know, 10 years ago, when we were doing vetrepreneur stuff, yeah, there weren't a lot of them out there. Yeah, and now, like I think it's, I think it's really fucking cool to see the veteran influencers that are in the game now. Yeah, the young bucks that are getting out there. Yeah, and it's it's, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen some out there. <clears throat> Bro, we started this thing. Article 15 clothing, Matt Best, yeah. Jared Taylor. We started a big, it was it was actually probably Ranger Up and Grand Style first. And mm-hmm. then we came out swinging with good video content, right? Like yep. the good editing, this, the different kind of humor that would resonate really well. And then it's blown up to like, there's guys who are way better than we ever were. Right. Way better. And it's I'm like, so and I knew cool. it was coming, bro. I knew yeah. it was coming. I was like, damn. Cody Alfred, what he does is dope fucking... Uh, fucking. There's several organizations out there that I'm like, you guys are fucking. There's a dope. ton of them down here in Texas too, by the way. T- massive. Yeah, yeah. there's a ton. Good accounts, and I'll I'll hit them up on social media. Yeah. And be like, man, I'm. It's cool to see the new generation coming out. Well, stuff dude, like that. We're gonna get more of this in other guys' hands. If you guys are content creators, if you guys are are influencers, all and want to get on board with Ruck Pack, uh, let me know. I'd love to get you on board. We're we're promoting this through the podcast. This is gonna be a new thing for us because it works for me. This is this is my version of Alpha Brain. This is mine. Yep. <laughs> this is my version yep. of it. And I love it. It's awesome. Dude, um, crazy going through your story in life. It's crazy hearing where you started and where you are now. Um, I'm really excited to see what the future is with us. Um, you know, I know we, we miss a big part of your, your life because that's a, it's a special part that we'll, we'll just keep it at that. We'll get there. Yeah. You, you, kick, you kicked ass in a lot of different areas. Uh, it's really fascinating to me to hear um, that idea of like you weren't ever a pilot. You weren't ever... You know, I think that's fascinating, and I th- and I find that to be a really important part of your story that I don't think even you realize. Uh, that's special, dude. It's special, and I think when you tell that story to a lot of people, that is correct. I do not realize it. You're saying it's yeah, special. You don't, you, it's the you opposite don't, of that. You don't but. because there's a lot of people in this world that probably feel like they didn't quite fit in. Yeah, and they feel like maybe they are, you know, not much to talk about. But I think when people listen to this podcast, it's gonna be very impressive to know what you've done, but not even that, but that you, you, you are, your story is a beacon for a lot of people who just don't feel like they ever did this or did that. Bro, I I will make you a promise right now. If that actually ends up happening, then I'll understand. I promise you, dude. You, then I'll actually understand. Your story needs to be told 
And I think you need to start writing it because everyone talks about like this, these, these outliers who are the top, the, these Cody Alfreds, right. valuable dude, yeah. incredible. What he's done in the military will always be kind of the historic facts. Right. But there's guys like you who've, who've touched a lot of people who've done a lot of work and don't want to acknowledge it for whatever reasons, but as well as that, I think it's super impactful for other people to hear that story. Like your story is fucking dope, dude. And it's, I, I don't invite yeah. a lot of people to tell it, right? I don't invite a lot of military. I don't invite a lot of military guys on my podcast because I feel like we've heard all those we've stories. Yeah. But your story is, to me is very different, uh, and and we didn't even touch on a lot of it, and we we dabble on it because it gets more weird. It, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And when people get to meet you, they'll learn that. Yeah. Uh, and there's no reason to even share it. I'm saying the point is that as much as you feel that you've never done this or you've never done that to me, yeah. I think all those teams see it quite different. I think those guys who are in, in flight with you see you as different. You are their goose, which is valuable. Right. Right. And the guys on the ground, <clears throat> you are their brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think you, you should start acknowledging that. I, I think work on it. you really, you really yeah. are an impressive dude. All right. I also wouldn't invite you to my fucking podcast. Nah, yeah, that's <laughs> valid. That's super valid. Yeah. Hey, uh, <clears throat> please awesome. hit, hit all your websites. Tell me where, tell the camera exactly where to go get your stuff. Uh, if you want them to look at your security company, whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, absolutely. Your- go to ruckpack.com and eagletechnologies.org. Pretty soon, you're going to be able to go to one or the other because this year, like we're going to wrap the whole story together. Beautiful. I think right? I think you should. So uh, I'll let you know how Ruckpack is even involved with Afghans and how that timeline all works out. That needs to get wrapped up. Because I, have a, I have a documentary guy that I'm going to try and connect you with. Okay. That I think we could probably make a short doc and explain that. And yeah. I, think, I think you should. But yeah, ruckpack.com. You guys go check it out. Ruckpack.com started in combat. This is it. They created this, the idea of this in combat. What you have today is a very clean energy source, nootropic. Uh, it's an awesome drink, man. I, it's, it's an awesome shot and I love it. It is. So thank you. Awesome. And then if yeah. you guys are in the security space, and you're looking for some support. If you're looking for maybe the next venture, if you are just a veteran who wants to support his mission in bringing Afghans and doing security in a very successful security company, you guys hit me up. We can connect those dots for you as well. 100%. Uh, if you guys have questions about uh, the men's group that we're a part of, uh, please hit us up. We'll do that as well. We're going to have a retreat here in April. You better be there. Yeah. Because or else you're going to miss out again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know I'm you're going. busy. Um, you guys don't forget our sponsors, man. We have Ruckpack. Go check them out, ruckpack.com. We have everest.com as well. If you're an outdoorsman, if you like to do things in the outdoors like hunting, camping, whatever the hell, even shooting, go check out everest.com. It is a hub for businesses that sell different items that you would use. If you guys know GMR Gold, we opened one today earlier. You had to check it out. It is a subscription box for bullion box, uh, different precious metals, silvers. Uh, they had a cool one today. I think I put it. They had a Barbie one I'm going to give to my my wife obviously but it's a barbie coin i thought it was pretty cool yeah, what if you're gonna keep it it's okay to just say that Vince. <laughs> i'm not gonna keep it <laughs> there it is the special is one dope. yeah my wife and the, the, the girls will love it That's funny. um as well as you know precious metals very important you guys can diversify your your stocks and portfolios uh gold and silver are doing really well right now so if you guys are interested ask questions i don't have a lot of them i'm gonna invite a, an expert to to join us on the podcast to talk more about it we have uh, GMR Gold. We said, oh, Core Medical, uh, testosterone replacement therapy. If you guys are men and women, even if a couple, I think a couple should do it together. I think it'd be kind of a little bonding. But as well as go get your blood work done through Core Medical. You let them know that I sent you. Tell them the Vinny Rock podcast. 
I promise you, you will not be disappointed with one, their service, but two, the answers you get. If you're a male or female above 30, get your blood work done. It's very important. Go check it out. It's not steroids for some of the people who, who don't know, right? I'd rather you ask the questions and we give you all the answers you need to help yourself, help your sex life, help your 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 mentality, your 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 motivation, help your your blood fat, uh, your fat content. It helps so many different areas of your uh, of your life that I promise you you won't regret it. Uh, there's law enforcement officers that are using it. There's military that are using it. One of the biggest special operations veterans community uses Core mm -hmm. Medical Group. So if you guys go check them all out, uh, I have a new sponsor coming on board next week, and I'm just waiting for uh, that agreement to get signed and we're going to keep going. So nope. you guys, don't forget, Ruck Pack, <clears throat> go check it out. And uh, thank you for joining us.